Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Biblical Principles for Governing the Eyes. Uh, this is Lesson 26 in the series, and the title of this lesson is The Perils of Imagination. There is a, an important biblical fact that many today are living in denial of an imagination filled with the pleasure of evil brings the judgment of God. It may not bring it immediately, but it brings it. Scripture says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Because we don't sin and immediately aren't judged for it, because we don't sin... Because when we sin, God doesn't immediately withdraw from us. Because judgment against the evil work is not executed speedily. Rather than making us go, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. We go, the Bible says our hearts become convinced that we're going to get away with this. So they become fully set in them to do evil. So, an imagination filled with pleasure, the pleasure of evil, brings the judgment of God. It will. It does. It's only a matter of time. And, of course, the, the first judgment is when God begins to slowly back away from us. Because we are backing away from God, there comes a point he will start backing away from us. He will start withdrawing his, his presence. It's not an event. He loves us so much, it's a process. It's, a, it's incrementally. So therefore, we, we think we're getting away with things. We don't, we're not getting away with at all. Let's uh, look at the scripture on this. Probably the, the most well-known example in the Bible is the generation of the flood or before the flood that brought the flood. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 4 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Yet his spirit shall be an hundred and twenty, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So this was, this was the age span before the flood. 120 years. Now, before this generation, before all of this, men lived many, many years. But then their imagination brought them to the place where God's only saying, okay, 120 years is all you get. Uh, so he said, I'm not going to strive with man. I'm not going to strive with man. I will not always continue to deal with man. There comes a point where I, they, they're so filled with evil that I'm going to back away, and the only thing left now is judgment. So Genesis 6, 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always drive, strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. 
The same became mighty men which were of old and men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Whew. I'm assuming, because the words are so clear and plain, that we should take these words literally. That every imagination, they didn't have some imaginations that were evil, but every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. Wow. Man got to that condition. Now, there we, there we have, we are in a day where there are, there's a majority maybe even of men whose hearts are evil continually. Uh, I'm not saying they only have evil imaginations, but who, considering the stuff that's on the news, and the stuff that's on the internet that you have to do your best to avoid if you're going to use the internet even for work. Uh, man's thoughts are evil. The Lord says, because of this, it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved at his heart. Who? How bad is it? That man is grieving God to such a degree that God says, I'm sorry I ever made man. Now, the gifts and calling of a God are without repentance. And God cannot and will not change his mind. So he had a plan. He knew that plan was the only hope of mankind. And that plan was for man. To be, for man to be saved was for he himself to become a man and to cause that man to die in the place of sinners. And everybody has sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God had to deal with this generation. Essentially, he said, I'm going to just start over. Verse 7, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. And then I think it's the next verse says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. One man. God found one man that would respond to him in faith. Now, that one man was able to have influence over his whole household. But <laughs> this is the thing that's so amazing here. Uh, eight souls were saved. Hebrews 11 says that. Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Moved with fear to the saving of his household. He was also in another place called a preacher of righteousness. And he preached for approximately 125 years. So in 125 years, it took three, four men and four women to build this ship because the dimensions of it today would be called a ship. It was no small boat. It took so much time for them to build this 
that during this period of time, Noah preached. He was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I don't know. They might have gone in town for supplies. Maybe he preached there. But nobody had ever built a ship before. So I'm sure there was a crowd of people that kept coming to see what was going on. And I'm sure they were asking, Noah, what are you doing? Well, God said, he's going to destroy the world with a flood. He preached righteousness. He was The scripture calls him a preacher of righteousness. But nobody listened but his family. The idea that God loves people so much that he's going to let down his expectations. He's going to change his word. He's going to let people by. Those that believe that are fools, and I don't mean that unkindly. You're denying God. The fool said his heart, there is no God. When you say that God is not going to, uh, he, he, you know, he's just, you know, a, a good God wouldn't send everybody to hell. The good God's sending nobody to hell. People are going to hell by their own choice because they refuse to believe the word of God. It's their choice. God's done everything he could and continue to do everything he can to show his love to mankind, to show man why he should be saved and and come into relationship with the Lord. But just like with Noah's day, in our day, the scripture says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. My spirit. The Lord is looking for those that will listen to his voice and take his side, even if they're in a very small minority. He's looking for those. I want to be one of those. Do you? Do you want to be one of those? God said, I'm done. He caused a great flood to destroy the earth the first time because every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Well, that same observation, again, could be made today since it seems that virtually, excuse the pun, virtually everything in the modern entertainment industry is designed to provoke unwholesome imaginations. You know, (laughs) we have a... We have uh, uh, this wholesome channel called Hallmark. And most Hallmark movies, I enjoy most of them. But some of them, while they don't show the act, imply the act. Imply that two people are not married got together. In some cases, actually, they show adultery. They don't show the adultery. They imply the adultery. So you go... Or they show supernatural stuff that's not of God, you know, that's showing something else. Some scenarios that appear good are presented in a, con- in a constructed context that subtly introduces themes of perverse and salacious intent that imagination only intensifies. I'm going to read that to you again. Some scenarios and what we see with our eyes appear good, but they're presented in a constructed context, a virtual world that subtly introduces themes of subtly, not suddenly, subtly introduces themes of perverse and salacious intent that the imagination only intensifies. You can play this game with people. 
You can say a sentence and stop in the middle of it, and our minds will try to fill in what the rest of that sentence was supposed to be. Our eyes and our flesh do that exactly. The implied is, is it, it, we could say, well, it's only implied, but it's the fact that it's implied, our, our minds, our bodies, our flesh fills in the blanks. When we are tempted incognito through emotion to swallow the toxic evil interlaced with the bits and pieces that are good, we put ourselves in grave spiritual danger. It is the enemy's favorite tactic to deceive and then destroy. He wraps the evil in something good, and even the most spiritual might at times swallow it. Today we, receive, we, we face a greater temptation than ever before. Why is that? Because sinning has become easier than ever before. You just, just think about that. In times past, the majority of sins had to be committed publicly by default because the primary means to sin was through on-site human contact. Before there was the Internet, in my childhood, there were magazines, you know, girly magazines, and that was before they put them in plastic and whatever. And so... You go to the store, and there it is in your front of your face. And even those that didn't pick up the magazine and turn the covers, they had to face all of this, this kind of stuff right there in front of their face. But back then, if you wanted to be to do more than look at the cover, you had to buy that magazine from somebody. That meant anybody standing around saw you buying it. That meant whoever the cashier was, you're trying not to look them in the eye. I've never did it, but I, I, I never did it. But you, you, you know, you, that, that you would try not to look them in the eye. And probably they're not, they're trying not to look you in the eye. Because everybody knows you're not buying that for the articles. That's what they used to say, you know. Well, I, 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 I read Playboy for the, for the articles. Yeah, sure you do. Yeah, no problem. Right. Yeah. And people that got Playgirl, they, they got that for the articles too, right? The articles. Well, you know, we love lying to ourselves. We call it, we call it just convincing ourselves we're okay. The Bible calls it self-justification. What it really is is lying to ourselves. Lying to ourselves about ourselves. What's the problem with that? I can't be forgiven of that which I don't repent of. And I'm not going to repent for something I don't believe is wrong. And when I convince myself something is wrong, I just meant I'm eternally responsible for that sin. I'm, I'm eternally responsible for it. Do Christians sin on occasion? Yes. Yes. In fact, First <clears throat> uh, John chapter 1 says, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth's not in us. But what's the difference? A sinner may sin, a, a Christian may sin, but he immediately is, is, is smoked in his conscience and he wants to repent. A sinner or a backslider, backslider for the most part, they're not going to repent of that. They won't do more of it. In the past, though, there, there was some measure of 
public. I mean, if you were going to go into a strip club, you had to park in the parking lot. People could see your car, even if you parked it around back, I guess. And you had to walk in the door. There were people there. You There might even be somebody there you would know. It's possible that one of the people that were performing would know you. There was a public nature to it. It was public. Public. But it can be done all privately now. It can all be done privately. The public nature of sin was a deterrent to prevent many from sinning because they feared being caught. But now, now, the majority of our sin in the past, I'm saying it one more time, was publicly, was public by default. Because the primary means to sin was through on-site human contact, as we've already mentioned. All by itself, the public nature of sin was a deterrent to prevent many from sinning because they feared being caught. I've said that already. i would said it again. I'd say it all, all over again. In the past, the public nature of sin was a deterrent to prevent sin all by itself because people were afraid of being caught. It's not that they didn't want to do it, but they feared the consequences of getting caught enough that they didn't do it. But now, thanks to today's technology, there is no sin that an individual cannot participate in by way of video, internet, video games, etc. in a totally private setting. Totally private. How much has that encouraged the sin that we're in? It is, I don't know the statistics, but I've heard some in the past. The number one use of the internet today is pornography. And our whole business world can't function without the Internet. And all that is done on the Internet as acts of business. And our government has to have the Internet to function. And yet the number one use of the Internet is pornography. It's never been like this before. People who would have never bought a magazine, never gone into a strip joint, ever have found themselves entrapped in stuff. I've dealt with people on numerous occasions, good people who never intended to get to that place, men and women of God who never intended to get there. And the start of their journey was, was uh, not intentional. Maybe they came just came accidentally came across something. And then their curiosity got stirred. That's the lingering look. And then then they went from the lingering look to exploring more. And that's the longing look. And then they begin to participate in various to various degrees with what they're seeing. That's the sin. That's the sin. So I'm asking you a question. How many killings, murders, rapes? Acts of adultery, fornication, acts of perversion, etc., committed virtually and privately today happened just 30 years ago. <clears throat> How many killings do you think takes place virtually every day in this world? How many acts of rape or murder or adultery or fornication or perversion do you think takes place 
virtually in our world today compared to what actually took place literally just 30 years ago. 30 years ago, I was only 43. And trust me, none of this was in the world back then. I wasn't there. Even, you know, even if uh, uh, you watch stuff on TV, broadcast TV still couldn't do this. And we were still in the early, early stages just 30 years ago of uh, videos. Early stages. Go back 50 years. I remember when we were a kid. My dad wasn't in the church. I was in the fifth grade when he bought our first TV. It was black and white. You know, the picture of that compared to the picture today, no comparison. And yet, um, who would have dreamed that that would have gotten to here? You couldn't go online or, I mean, or go on the TV and watch uh, lewd acts and stuff like that. They were, it wasn't allowed. It was against the law. And that slowly has been eroded over the years. Slowly. It's like the old story about how, how do you boil a frog alive? Now, I don't know how you do this, but you put, you put him in a pan of water on the stove and very gradually turn up the temperature until he is boiled alive because it never changes rapidly enough to shock him into jumping out of the pan. Now, I don't, I've never tried that. I don't know if it works. But I imagine it would if you were patient enough. If you could find a frog that would sit still in your pot. Well, the adversary is more than patient enough to do things in very small increments. So that what you accept today is not that much different than what you accepted yesterday. And what you'll accept tomorrow is not that much different tomorrow than from what it is today. But when you look back here and look at this and you go, how did we get here? Well, the answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? If the first time that the, if, if the first time the Lord destroyed the world was because human imaginations were evil continually, uh, how much more continually are evil imaginations participated in today? given the full extent of today's technology to supply stimuli to our fantasies 24 hours a day. Even TV used to stop broadcasting at midnight. I remember that. You might not have been sleepy. You might were willing to go up, but all of a sudden you got a pattern, and there it is. You get music and a pattern, and that's it. And if you want to watch, you got to get in the morning. But that's not the case anymore. And with, with the internet speeds, what they are today, constantly and constantly improving internet speeds, there's very little delay in online experiences. Therefore, things that have never seen, never, things that didn't seem all that real before are very real now. And the picture quality is so great that it's actually almost like being there. And all of that's wonderful if it's being used positively. I mean, this iPad I'm using. 5,000K, 5,000 lines of resolution per square inch. That's unheard of. That's just unfathomable. So the picture quality and the sound quality is so awesome. 
that it appeals to the eyes like never before. It appeals to the ears and the flesh like never before. So never before has the potential to sin vicariously been like it is today. Sin virtually never sleeps. Virtual sin never sleeps. Is it any wonder the next time that the Lord destroys the world it would be by fire and not by water? I want you to consider this in the last few moments of this lesson. Because God is just and righteous and holy. And since he destroyed the world for imaginations full of iniquity with a flood. Consider that if he does not do something soon in our world, he will have to resurrect the people of Noah's day and repent to them for judging them and letting us get by with worse. He destroyed Sodom for such depravity and sin that we can't even imagine. But if God's going to continue to let our world go the way it's going and people live like they're living, and sin that was so despicable and rejecting uh, and prompted such rejection in the past is now out in the public for everyone to see. If he doesn't do something soon, then he's, his own righteousness and judge, justice, his own equity will require him to resurrect the citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah and repent to them for destroying them when he's letting us get by with worse. How much longer is it? No wonder the seven years of what we call, unbiblically, the Great Tribulation. The Bible says it's going to be worse than anything it's ever been in the history of man. Worse than anything. Why? Because we have reached a place. You know, Noah's day, (laughs) if their hearts were full of only evil imaginations continually, what in the world would they do in our world? How would they live in our world? What depths of... If they'd gotten that place without the virtual world, what kind of depths? Because we're still flesh. We're still human beings. The same people there. And we have so many more ways and so many more tools to go into that depth of sin now. People that don't go to work, don't support their families, aren't faithful to their wives or husbands. Or how about how about those who surf online and meet people online and throw away marriages because of somebody they met online? In this church, I've had a couple of marriages of good people, leadership people that was destroyed because someone got to talking to somebody else online in the virtual world and decided this virtual relationship was more fulfilling and better than the relationship with their wife. And one particular individual moved that girl here left his wife for her, gave everything away 
Nothing. Nothing. Today. Shell of himself today. That relationship only lasted a short amount of time. Because it was based on lust. It wasn't based on uh, relationship. It was one lustful individual that connected with another lustful individual. And they came together to fulfill their lusts. God help us. God help us. God help the world if the church doesn't stand up and be the church. Well, I'm here to tell you something today, my friend, my brother, my sister. God has promised that he's coming back after a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. So from among what we call the church, the church is going to rise up and be everything that God wants that church to be and is going to obey his voice and do his will and give themselves to him and participate in his kingdom. The church is going to do that. Not everything that calls itself the church is going to do that. Not everybody that says they're saved is going to do that. But God will have a people that he will call his church that he's going to take out of here as his bride, his glorious church, without spot and without wrinkle in any such thing. We are his body. Should not we reserve ourselves for him only so long as we both shall live and he's not dying and he promised us if we believed in him, we would not die. So how long is that relationship supposed to be our priority? Forever and forever. Well, if it's not my priority here now, how in the world can I participate in an unending relationship that I didn't even want, that I did not pursue, that I did not seek? Some people get married and think that's automatically going to make them happy. They think there's nothing else to be done. They got married. They're going to be happy. How foolish that is. They, they don't have a clue. Marriage is, a, is work every day. If you're going to have a relationship that works, you have to work on that relationship in some way, some fashion, every day. Every day. Every day. If that's true naturally, it's even more true spiritually. I've got to work on, I've got to strive and desire, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness every day. I've got to, hunger and thirst after righteousness every day. I've got to seek him, pursue him, love him, participate with him every day. That's the will of God. I pray in Jesus' name that the Lord will give you and me grace to be able to do that so that we can be a part of that glorious church and that as a part of that glorious church that we can be used of him to see many, many, many others brought into that place because we set an example that they look at our lives and say, I want to know God like that. I want to know, I want to know God like David. I read about David. I want to know God like Paul. I read about Paul. And I want God to live in me and through me so that others can say, I want to know God like Chester Wright, and it'd be a positive thing. Do you feel that way? I pray that you do. God bless you in Jesus' name.